Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're only weeks away from the 2022 World Cup, so it's time to update our 2022 World Cup roster prediction for the USMNT. And if you're new here, this is something we've been doing for the past two years or so. Uh, every few months, we'll update our roster and we get to see that progression, uh, see how things have changed over the course of World Cup qualifying over the course of the entire cycle. And I think we'll see some interesting things about players who have come and gone, sort of the overall growth of the squad. Uh, but as we're getting so close to the World Cup, things are becoming real now. And, and, and I think um, there's, there's some really interesting decisions to be made here for Greg Berhalter about who ultimately is going to get some of those last seats on the plane to Qatar uh, for the 2022 World Cup. Without further ado, I think it's time to jump right in. What's up? My name is Sam. This is the Yank Report, the show where we talk about all things American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you want to really support the channel, you can become a member. Shout out to all my tier two members. Thank you for what you guys do to support the channel. Now, before we get into the video, let's hear a word from today's sponsor. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So let's start out with the goalkeepers. Way back in February of 2021, we had Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, and Sean Johnson. In November of 2021, that continued with Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, and Sean Johnson. In April of 2022, we switched it up a bit. Zach Steffen, Ethan Horvath jumps into the mix, and Matt Turner. In June, it switched back to Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, and Sean Johnson. And today in October, I think the three keepers that Greg Berhalter will be taking to Qatar will be Matt Turner, Sean Johnson, and Zach Steffen. Now, this is a really interesting discussion because throughout World Cup qualifying, this was seen as a position of strength. Uh, with Zach Steffen being the backup at Manchester City and Matt Turner really turning heads, uh, going from a player that wasn't even on the roster prior to the Gold Cup to a player who had a really electric Gold Cup and slowly but surely been gaining ground on Zach Steffen. Matt Turner eventually gets the move to Arsenal. And from this point on, it seems like Matt Turner has just passed Zach Steffen by. Now, the interesting thing is that a lot of people still believe that uh, Greg Berhalter has a soft spot for Zach Steffen, and, and Zach Steffen may still be Greg's number one keeper, despite the fact that Zach Steffen has been struggling for playing time at Middlesbrough, and whenever he does play, it doesn't exactly fill you with confidence. You see some of the same gaps with Middlesbrough that you saw at Manchester City, and to be fair, that we saw uh, Zach have with the U.S. men's national team frequently throughout his tenure. The third keeper discussion is an interesting one. It really comes down to Sean Johnson and Ethan Horvath. Ethan Horvath's claim to fame is that he came into that Nations League final against Mexico and had a good showing. Uh, at this point, that was years ago, uh, but... Uh, it's something that stays fresh in uh, U.S. men's national team fans' minds. Sean Johnson is one of the older players in the group at 33 years old. Uh, he brings that veteran experience. And I lean towards Sean Johnson in this discussion because I think Sean Johnson is fine with his role as the third keeper. I think he understands what he's brought into the team to do. And I think he serves a valuable purpose.
purpose of that older keeper that every team brings to the World Cup, that that older keeper that's kind of the experienced old head in the room. Though I wouldn't be upset either way between Sean Johnson and Ethan Horvath. Moving on to the center backs, and boy, has this been a ride for the U.S. men's national team. One of the big positions of weakness for the group way back in February of 2021, we had John Brooks, Matt Miazga, Aaron Long, and Mark McKenzie. Fast forward to November of 2021, that updated to John Brooks, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, and Walker Zimmerman. In April of 2022, we changed again to Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, and Aaron Long. In June, we switched that up again to Walker Zimmerman, Chris Richards, Aaron Long, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and Eric Palmer-Brown. Today in October, we have Walker Zimmerman, Chris Richards, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and Aaron Long. Now, there's a few interesting things about the center back group. I think number one is I think we've seen the most turnover of this position group of any other group, and I think it really speaks to uh, number one, the weakness of this particular group. Uh, we just don't have a lot of depth there. We just don't have a lot of quality there. And number two, uh, it speaks to the way that Greg Berhalter has changed what he's looking for from his center backs. Early on in February, we had Brooks, Miazga, Long, and McKenzie. Miazga, Brooks, and McKenzie are all center backs that are a little bit better with the ball at their feet. That seems to be a trait that Greg has moved away from, uh, at least up until the summer friendlies. Uh, so we see center backs who are a little bit more athletic and a little bit better at the one-on-one -on -one battles later on. I think it's also interesting that for all the hell that Aaron Long's caught, he's his name has been in this group for a long time now. I think a lot of that comes down to when I actually did these videos and sort of the injuries that we were going through at the time. Uh, but it's inter interesting that his name just continues to be a part of this group, despite his not so great performances on the field. I think a lot of that comes down to not so great performances from other players. One name that's not in this group in October is Tim Ream. Tim Ream is a player that I'd love to see in Qatar. I think we could use his um, his his reliability, his veteran leadership. I think he brings a calmness to this group. And especially if the center backs play anything like they played um, against Japan and Saudi Arabia, where they had the ball at their feet a lot more, I think Tim Ream would be a step up from some of the other players that we saw. I don't think Greg Berhalter is going to go that way. I think he's, he's going to take four center backs, and I think it's going to be CCV over uh, Tim Ream. Now, the big hope is that Chris Richards is going to be available and, and potentially start for the U.S. at the center back position at the World Cup. As of right now, I believe he's still been injured. I, I believe we still haven't seen him return for Crystal Palace. Uh, so... He's a player that it just for the past year or so just hasn't had a lot of opportunity on the field. So it's 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 getting a little scary at this point because we're only a few weeks away from the World Cup. Uh, how how fit and how healthy and, and how good can Chris Richards be if he's missed so much time? It's a scary situation at the center back position. I'm not sure if there are any good answers out there anywhere in the pool. It's just going to be uh, something that the U.S. has to overcome if they're going to want to uh, play well in Qatar. Moving on to the fullbacks, and this is another position where we've seen a little bit of turnover because they're just there's no left backs in the U.S. men's national team pool outside of Anthony Robinson and sort of the search for the backup left back um, has been a reoccurring theme throughout Greg Berhalter's tenure, and I, I'm still not sure that he's found one, but in February of 2021, we had DeAndre Yedlin, Serginio Dest, Anthony Robinson, and Sam Vines. In November of 2021, that changed to Reggie Cannon, Serginio Dest, 
Anthony Robinson, and Joe Scally. In April, that changed again to Serginho Dest, DeAndre Yedlin, Reggie Cannon, and Anthony Robinson. In June, we held firm with Anthony Robinson, Serginho Dest, Reggie Cannon, and DeAndre Yedlin. In October, we're adding one name to the group, and that's Serginho Dest, Anthony Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin, Joe Scally, and Reggie Cannon. Now, this is an interesting discussion here because if you look at this list, it's essentially four right backs and one left back and Anthony Robinson. Uh, now, we know that Greg Berhalter is comfortable with Serginho Dest covering that left side. I thought Serginho Dest played pretty well on the left side against Saudi Arabia, uh, did a lot of interesting things in that position and, and created a lot from that space, though I think our best bet is having Anthony Robinson play left back uh, for the as many minutes as he's absolutely available. Uh, the interesting thing here is DeAndre Yedlin and Reggie Cannon, I think the two of them have been up and down for the national team. Reggie Cannon brings something interesting to the group because he's able to play that right center back position to offer something different tactically to the group uh, though I think his one-on-one -on -one defending is just not very good at all um, just uh, not just dreadful honestly he terrifies me he is the one defender that I'm most afraid of being lined up in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, so I'm not looking forward to him being on the field I think against Saudi Arabia we saw the Serginho Dest can potentially do something similar to that three-man back line and kind of give us that similar look. Uh, so hopefully that's something Greg Berhalter can look to, and maybe we don't have to rely on Reggie Cannon. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin had a, had a decent game against Saudi Arabia. I think he's a fairly limited player. Uh, Joe Scally came in against Saudi Arabia and had some really good minutes. It was the first time we really saw the Scally that we'd been seeing at Borussia Mönchengladbach for the national team, and it was the perfect timing too. Hopefully it wasn't too little too late. Uh, I, I think Scally brings uh, quality defending, but he can also get forward. Uh, I think he combines well. He's really aggressive. I liked a lot of the things that he was doing. If I'm honest, I think Shaq Moore deserves an opportunity over maybe DeAndre Yedlin or even Reggie Cannon at this point, but I think it's too far gone at this point for Shaq Moore to get a look. Uh, so... I'm really hoping that Joe Scally gets that opportunity. He can play right back as well as left back. I'm looking at Joe Scally as one of the last three names on this roster. And considering some of the other players who are also up for that position just didn't play all that well in the uh, last window, uh, Christian Roldan missed it due to injury. And Malik Tillman just did not have a great showing. Uh, I think that that opens the door for Joe Scally to potentially seize one of these last roster spots. For a defensive midfielder, in February, we had Jackson Ewell and Tyler Adams. But really, ever since then, it's been Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams that have been holding down that spot. Tyler Adams is one of the few Americans that is just really in red-hot form right now. He's playing really well for Leeds, and I think uh, a lot of fans in the English Premiership are really coming to appreciate his game and everything that he brings to the table. He seems tailor-made for that uh, for that Leeds uh, defensive midfielder double pivot spot, and he's executing it flawlessly. Uh, Kellen Acosta is the backup there, though we really hope we don't get to see him. Kellen Acosta also serves as a uh, eight sometimes, especially late in the game whenever we need uh, a defensive change in the midfield, uh, though once again, I don't think that he's quite up to it with the ball at his feet. To really play the way we want to play, I think we saw that in the Saudi Arabia game where the side of the field that didn't have Kellen Acosta was able to move the ball really well. 
the side of the field that had Kellen Acosta and DeAndre Yedlin didn't quite uh, match up. And, and I think that that's going to be something we see anytime Kellen Acosta is in an eight position because he does he's just not quite able to combine on the ball and, and doesn't quite have that soccer IQ that some of those other players like uh, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney and uh, Jesus Ferreira, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, uh, Serginho Des. He can't quite play at the level that those guys play at. Uh, so it does not look great whenever he's in advanced position. Speaking of the advanced midfielders, way back in February, we had Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Brendan Aronson, and Sebastian Legette. In November of 2021, we switched that to Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Jean-Luc Abusio, and Sebastian Legette. In April, we changed once again to Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Luca De La Torre, and Jean-Luc Abusio. In June, we actually dropped a midfielder, so we had Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Brendan Aronson. And today in October, we settled on Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney, Luca De La Torre, and Brendan Aronson. The first things that really jump out is the names uh, Sebastian Legette and Jean-Luc Abusio, two players that were tried out in this spot that just really didn't quite make the grade, and we eventually had to move on from them. The standout player that really has come a long way and, and maybe is the best player in this position at this point is Yunus Musa. Uh, we saw how much the U.S. needed him in the games against Saudi Arabia and Japan. His absence was felt hard. Uh, he has since returned to action for Valencia, so we're anticipating that he'll be good to go in Qatar. Just a young player that brings so much to this national team and so much to any team that he's playing in. A player that can potentially have a massive breakout World Cup and become the next U.S. men's national team superstar. Wes McKinney was really thought to be the anchor of this group. After returning from injury, he hasn't quite looked the same, though I feel like he's kind of building back to health. Uh, before his injury, he had reached levels as a midfielder that really nobody expected him to. He's a player that has overcome so much, and when he's at the top of his game, he's a true difference maker. We didn't quite see that in the games against Japan and Saudi Arabia, especially against Japan. He had one of the poorest games of his national team career, but we're hoping that with the time that he has to recover, that he can get somewhere close to that because if the U.S. is going to succeed in Qatar, we really need that dominant Wes McKinney in the midfield. Brendan Aronson is an interesting name in this group because if I'm honest, there's games where he's been deployed as a midfielder where he just hasn't looked all that good. We've seen him at Leeds United make massive impacts on games, but he really needs to be in a setup where he can press and where he, he can get the ball in the transition. In, in games where the U.S. is playing a little bit more possession style and he has to be a little bit more physical in the midfield and he's, he's in crowded spaces and he can't just run with the ball in transition, he doesn't quite look as effective. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets utilized in this World Cup if we get to see the best Brennan Aronson or if we see a Brennan Aronson more like we saw against Saudi Arabia and Japan, which just was not quite as effective. The winger position has been the strongest position for the U.S. Men's National Team in this cycle. Way back in February, we had Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna, and Jordan Morris. In November, we had Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna, and Brendan Aronson. In April, we had Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, and Brendan Aronson. In June, we have Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna, and Jordan Morris. And today in October, we're going with Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, Paul Areola and Jordan Morris. Now, the names there that everybody's going to freak out about is probably Paul Areola and Jordan Morris, and they are not the greatest players on this national team for sure. I think whenever I was putting together this list, considering some of the other options that are out there, 
Malik Tillman just did not show well in, in the games against Saudi Arabia and Japan. I don't think that he's a player that Greg is really going to trust to bring in. Christian Roldan is a player that's that's been injured and wasn't with the group in the September window, and I don't know that he adds more than Ariola or Morris. I mean, Conrad De La Fuente is a player that was up for that position that just hasn't get, gotten much playing time. Maybe Matthew Hoppe is a similar situation of a player that could potentially be in this spot that just hasn't gotten much playing time over the last year. So ultimately, you get to a spot where should we take another midfielder? Well, what midfielder would that be? We really don't have anybody else that we've really brought in. Do we take another striker? I can see four strikers, but the U.S. really only plays one striker, so that seems like a wasted position as well. So ultimately, I think adding Areola and Morris is really the only way you really could go with this. I don't really see any other options. Maybe you can drop one of those players and add Tim Ream that I would be excited about. I would be cool with that as well. So dropping one of these wingers and adding another center back, but I don't think Greg is going to do that considering the things that he did in September. I think it's going to be Morris and Areola, but it's one of those situations where best case scenario is we don't really see these guys getting much opportunity to play. We really hope that we can lean on guys like Gio and Christian and Tim Weah and Brendan Aronson uh, to get the majority of the minutes and score and, and play really well and really carry the U.S. forward. Much has been said about his tenure for Chelsea over the last six months or so. Recently, he's been doing a lot with the little minutes that he has received, but you can't say that Christian Pulisic is in his top form right now. This is not the best Christian Pulisic we've ever seen, and we're really hoping that he can get to something similar to that level for the World Cup, we really need him there. Tim Weah has been one of the most important players for the national team throughout World Cup qualifying. He was injured in September, and likely a lot of the U.S.'s offensive struggles come down to Tim Weah not being in the group. He's since returned to action, so hopefully he can regain his fitness and be that Tim Weah from World Cup qualifying at the World Cup. Similar with Gio Reyna, a player with so much promise and potential, but over the yet last year has just been really struggling to get on the field with injuries, just reoccurring injuries. He gets that, uh, he picks up another muscle injury in the game in September against Saudi Arabia, comes off at the 30 minute mark. Just a really scary moment for U.S. men's national team fans. So at this point, it's hard to know if, if Gio Reyna will be trusted to get starts kind of where he fits in with this group. He just has so little time with the group. Uh, so it's a little scary and it's a little worrying with Gio Reyna's situation coming into this group. But we know that he can be an absolutely phenomenal player if he's at his best and in form, uh, in, in a groove with this national team. Last but certainly not least is a group that we have talked so much about. It's another one of the weaker position pools. It is the striker pool. The boys who were supposed to score goals way back in February, we had... Josh Sargent and Giassi Zardes in November. We changed that to Ricardo Pepe and Josh Sargent. In April, it became Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira. In June, we switched that up to Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, and Josh Sargent. And today in October, we have Jesus Ferreira, Josh Sargent, and Ricardo Pepe. And boys, let me tell you, I actually wrote down Jordan Pifak because like, I really want it to be Pifak. I think Pifak brings a lot to this group. I think he's that player that you can throw in at the end of games. If things aren't going well, if the U.S. isn't able to build up very well, he's a player that you can put out there and he'll win headers. He'll win balls in the air. He won't offer you much in the press. He won't offer you much in the buildup. He's not going to combine with the ball at his feet. But if you get him in the box uh, in a crowded space, he can go up and, and win balls and he can finish. We've seen him do it reliably in the Bundesliga for the first few games of the season. Now, Greg Berhalter has been resistant to that. He hasn't brought up Jordan Pifak in a while. And I understand the counter argument. The counter argument is that 
you're bringing in a player, you're taking a roster spot for a guy who's situational and, and in a worst-case scenario. So the best-case scenario for Jordan Pifak getting minutes is that the U.S. is chasing a goal late in the game and you're only bringing, in, bringing him in for 10 minutes. So he doesn't offer a lot to the rest of the group as someone like Ricardo Pepe potentially could. It's just one of those things where I feel like with 26 roster spots, do we really need three strikers can we get away with two strikers and then one uh, kind of closer, one kind of specialty player? That's the argument there. But if we're honest, if Greg Peralta believed in Ricardo Pepe and brought him in in September, whenever Ricardo just arrived at Groningen and, and was in, in some of the worst form of his life so far, now that Ricardo Pepe is playing regularly and scoring goals, is he really going to keep him out of the roster at this point? It, it seems like it's a difficult spot for uh, PFOC to overcome that. It seems like Greg has, has his heart set on Jesus Ferreira, Josh Sargent, and Ricardo Pepe at this point. I think that is what it's going to be. I'll be disappointed. I really want to see PFOC on the list, uh, but I think it's going to be those three names. Of those three names, I think Jesus Ferreira is still the guy for Greg at this point. I know that uh, once again against Japan, there's a moment where Jesus Ferreira has an opportunity and he doesn't put it away. Once again against Saudi Arabia, Jesus probably comes up with the best scoring opportunity of the game for the U.S. and he doesn't put it away. So it's just building evidence that Jesus Ferreira struggles to uh, finish at the international level. However, the flip side of that is... Jesus Ferreira is the only striker that's coming up with scoring opportunities for the U.S. men's national team. He did get the scoring opportunity against Japan. He did get the scoring opportunity against Saudi Arabia. And you can't say that about any other strikers for the U.S. Uh, Jesus has just been that guy that reliably creates scoring opportunities, not only for himself, but the U.S. seems to get more scoring opportunities when he is on the field. We know that he can score goals. He's got 18 for uh, FC Dallas at the moment. It's just a matter of, of, of coming up with the big goal at, at the big moment in the World Cup. So a lot is riding on Jesus Ferreira uh, ending his, his, his goal-scoring drought for the national team and coming up with a big goal in, in Qatar. I know there's a lot of people that don't believe in him, but I think Greg Berhalter is one of the people that does believe in him, so I think he's going to be in that spot. After Ferreira, I think it is Josh Sargent and then Ricardo Pepe. Josh Sargent didn't get a ton of minutes in September, but I think he did enough uh, to solidify his plane ticket to Qatar. Josh Sargent has just had an absolute resurgence since arriving in the championship. He's scoring goals. He's playing regularly. He's looking more and more like the Josh Sargent that we saw whenever he was a youth prospect. Similar can be said with Ricardo Pepe having a resurgence since he returned to Grand again. So no matter how you slice it here, the U.S. just doesn't have a great goal scorer. There's no great striker that's about to walk through the door. There's really no best case scenario for Greg Berhalter there. It's just, you know, riding with the with the horse that brung you and hoping that the, that horse can come up big once they arrive in guitar under all the lights. And that's really what we're hoping for from a lot of these guys. Like we really need the best Christian Pulisic we need the best Weston McKinney, the best Tyler Adams, the best Andy. like we need these guys to come up big for us if we want to get anything away uh, from these games in Qatar. If we want to advance to that round of 16, which I think is the goal for this group. So there you have it. Those are the 26 names that I think Greg Berhalter is going to call for the World Cup in Qatar. Interesting question here. I mean, at the beginning of the cycle, everybody looked at this group and said this is going to be the most talented team that the U.S. has ever brought to a World Cup. Do we still think that's true? That's a question I've been wrestling with for a while. Uh, with everything that we know now, with some of the struggles that these players have gone through at the club level, uh, with some of them getting um, dropped to lesser clubs or uh, becoming bench options and just not quite living up to those heights 
that we thought they'd be at at this point in time whenever we looked at their career trajectories two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. Do we still think this is the most talented team that we've ever brought to a World Cup? There are some serious issues at center back. There are some question marks at goalkeeper. There's some serious issues at the striker position. And then at some of our strengths, we got players who aren't getting a lot of minutes at their club or, you know, for one reason or another, aren't playing up to their best level. So there's a lot of question marks about this group. However, this is the World Cup. It is a small sample size. Anything can happen. The World Cup is absolutely magical, and I feel like all these guys are going to be up for it and playing their best soccer. And if we do that, I, I think we do have every chance to, to make it out of the group. So let me know your thoughts on the roster. Or you think there's any players that I left out that Greg's going to bring in? Do you think that there's guys that uh, I'm a little bit too high on that aren't going to make the list? Let me know in the comment section. How are you feeling about the World Cup? How are you feeling about the group? What are your expectations for this group in the World Cup? Do you think? Do you still think this is the most talented U.S. Men's National Team that we've ever brought to a World Cup? Let me know. As always, si puede hablar español. Dio me un comentario en español. If you want the Yank Important Podcast form, you can get it anywhere you find podcasts. Thank you so much for watching. If you want to support the channel, you can subscribe. You can like. If you want to directly support the channel, you can become a member. Shout out to my tier two members, Manuel Alvarez, Mike Irish, Chris Matassa, Matthew Hanna, Matthew Doyle, Michael Baker, and Dan McVeigh. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.